What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Getting the Cash Flow Game with K&K. Today, you just got the big K for Kenny. What's up, guys? So, Mr. Dan Fleischman, that is who um, I have the privilege to sit down and speak to today. Um, gosh, there's too much to intro about um, Dan. Probably since I've joined the Avenger Mastermind, I've got to be around Dan, hear him talk a lot, speak a lot, um, listen to him a lot, been in you know breakout rooms, all that stuff. Um, and obviously we get this amazing podcast, which is just fire. So you guys got to listen to this. But so if you don't know Dan, um, which some of you will and some of you won't, Dan, I'm going to read a little resume here. So it just, I can't even remember all this stuff. So here we go. Dan is the youngest founder of a publicly traded company at age 23. He took, um, after selling $15 million for the closing in six apartment chains and surpassing expectations with $9.5 million licensing deal with Starter Apparel, Mr. Fleischman launched the Who's Your Daddy energy drink into 55,000 retail stores, later went on to um, create Victory Poker, which became one of the top um, five online poker brands internationally. And so Dan's also an angel investor. He's invested now in, I think, over 30 plus companies. He also um, does the uh, Elevator Studios. He also has um, a 100 mil mastermind, Avenger mastermind. He speaks all over the place. He owns a digital marketing company. I'm probably missing things. Um, he's wrote a couple books. And honestly, Dan is just a badass. The one cool thing about Dan is he's seriously the most humble man and he's one of the most connected people I've ever met. And he invests in a lot of different things and he invests in a lot of different people because he believes in them and he, why he really invests and he's really passionate about investing is the one thing that you might not know. It's not all about money. It's not all about the when. It's actually about um, creating jobs in the United States and helping um, entrepreneurs. So Dan has surrounded himself by a lot of amazing entrepreneurs, a lot of great people. So he has the ability to raise money quickly. He has the ability to jump in somebody's company and help them you know, launch a brand with marketing. Um, him and Joel Marin um, have the 100 Mill podcast together. So Dan is just has a lot of great contacts. So you guys just sit back, listen to this one, you're probably going to want to take notes, but this is, um, you know, it's, um, I have the privilege to have Dan on just cause he's such a busy person, jet setting all around speaking. The guy's schedule is crazy. So we actually came in studio while he's down here at an event. We filmed this at Saturday morning at 8am. So without further ado, Dan Fleischman, Dan Fleischman in the house, Dan, what's up? Happy to be here. Um, so Dan, you kind of grew up, I was going to ask you, you kind of grew up in San Diego. Um, what, what do you, cause I live here, I invest here. I don't invest really anywhere else in California. Um, what are your thoughts on San Diego as you've been here a long time as a city? Do you love it? Did you invest here? You know, do you live here? All that good stuff. Yep. Uh, so San Diego is the best weather on the planet. That's not an emotional thing. That's a fact. I've been everywhere on the planet and San Diego wins every single time and it stays that way. Like. 330 days a year so it's really difficult to not like that um, especially from real estate side because you're not battling with weather so if you have airbnb that's seasonal in some cities might be a great city for eight months and then 
it's snowing for four months. No Airbnb, no matter how crazy your mansion is or how cool your condo is or how cool your treehouse is, whatever the thing you have, there's going to be bad weather for X amount of months and super, super, super hot weather too. doesn't happen in San Diego. It's never seen snow and it's never been more than 110. So I think it's a really interesting dynamic for someone. Um, and it has a lot of tourist benefits to it from a real estate side. Do you think, um, always said this about San Diego, it's kind of been a sleepy little town. It's growing. Um, I kind of always tell people, L.A., San Francisco, New York, now Miami, everybody wakes up and I have money and said, I'm going to go buy a house in Miami and you yep. see it exploding. Yep. I always say it's slowly happening here. Do you see five, 10 years San Diego being just a massive city? You're just gaining a lot of like billionaires, hundred millionaires who just want to have a second, third, fourth home here. So Miami hit the perfect storm, right? When, when COVID happened, you have Silicon Valley and New Yorkers all descending into Miami mostly because of the tax the tax benefits. The one struggle for San Diego is we are in California. And so that part makes it difficult for people that want to build wealth. You are paying a much bigger um, you know, tax implication here. Um, but I always say, when people say, how can you live in California? Well, I pay for the weather. And so what's the point of being rich when it's zero <laughs> degrees outside? <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then it's 118 degrees outside in the summer. I, I don't want to live in negative five degrees. I don't. Yeah. And so to me, I pay for the weather and I'm going to stay here forever. I'm always going to live in California and especially in San Diego. And uh, I was, I grew up here and I'll die here in San Diego. Nice. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know you, um, can you give us the two, three minute version of how Dan became Dan today? Uh, so actually right down the street in Mission Valley, I was working at Woo! Ruby's Diner with a sailor cap Oh, on. my gosh. Holy smokes. Crazy. Um, I was working at the stadium selling peanuts and Cracker Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first couple jobs. And then uh, working for a stockbroker under the table. So I had three jobs simultaneously in high school right down the street here. And then I uh, was supposed to go to San Diego State. I saved up 43000 from working those three jobs and selling candy and things on the side like to save up money. Saved up 43000 to go to San Diego State and instead... I put the money into trademarking a catchphrase for my clothing brand. Um, went to a convention. We were 17 and a half. Called Magic. Set up our booth and ended up doing a million dollars in sales. The catch was, who's your daddy? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I ended up writing a million dollars in orders at the at the convention, except we actually don't have a manufacturer at the time. We're, <laughs> we're 17 and a half, and we made T-shirts at the local place in Point Loma here, like the by the sports. T-shirt mark. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally, it's literally oh, that's where my awesome. that's literally where my brand started. And so we write a million dollars in orders. My older brother and my partner's dad both freak out, like, "What are you gonna do?" We drive down to downtown LA. There's an area I call like the Mart, mm-hmm. and uh, we start walking around, literally walking around. And people keep pointing us in different directions. We finally find this guy. He's like, oh, I can make the clothes for you. Gave him a bunch of money. He did not make the clothes for us. He made us nine samples and charged us like $16,000. Oh, my God. Uh, so that hurt because uh, we didn't have that much capital. And uh, we finally get connected to this guy named Christopher Wicks. And his son, his name is Christian Wicks. Who I'm still dear friends with. I talked to him yesterday. Like, I'm still friends with him 20 years later. So he helps us manufacture our brand for us. He helps, he helps us get the $9.5 million licensing deal uh, with Starter Apparel and those guys in the UK, which helps us go through the roller coasters because now we have this big guaranteed royalty deal. We go through the ups and downs of being entrepreneurs. Boom, we're 23 years old, and we take it public on the stock market. Again, our office is right down the street in Mission Valley uh, over by the David Busters. Oh, crazy. Our warehouse is in Carlsbad, and we launch an energy drink under the same brand name. 
23 to 27, I don't remember anything besides selling. We got into 55,000 retail stores in America. Busting your ass. Like, Dri- driving and flying. Remember, like, Tom, Tommy, Tommy Boy style. Time-wise, like, what year? So I'm 23 at the time. So uh, tw- I was 22 years old, 23 years old. Yeah. yeah. 19. So, 19, so, like so, so we went public April 1st, 2005. Okay. So, so yes. Okay. So, yeah, I'm 23 and a half at the time. That's when we go public. So then from that point on until 2009, I am just Tommy boy. I'm just driving around the country selling auto parts. <laughs> um, and then we get, yeah, 43 distributors, 55,000 stores in America, 6,500 overseas. Everything's great. And then I realized I've been doing the same thing from 17 to 27. So on the exact anniversary, 521, I'll never forget because we had hats that said 521 uh, when we incorporated. 521 is when I resigned so I could put another feather in my cap. Okay. I decided I'm going to open a retail store in downtown San Diego uh, by the Hard Rock and i'm gonna start a online poker site so i literally pack up and move to a place called malta put on a backpack that was it and flew to a foreign country and stayed in a hotel until i could find an apartment and start an online poker site 10 weeks later we were live and months later we're top five poker site on the planet again everything's going great and then like right away online poker shuts down in america yeah i'm like a year and a half into this thing and all of a sudden Something called Black Friday happens, and online poker shuts down. So my company's worth sixty-five million dollars at the time. We're doing six figures a week. It's just five employees, so my overhead's really low. I'm living in an apartment in the middle of nowhere, and you know we have Dan Bilzerian and DJ Steve Aoki and Playboy Playmates and poker. We're on TV every night and all over the planet. Like all our guys, everything's going fantastic. And then our competitors did some bad things, and so by default we become one of the biggest sites on the planet because my my competitors are all either dead or in jail. That's not how I want to win. That's not how I want to win win yeah. the game. And I don't trust what's the, what's the government going to do next because they just shut down my competitors. I never even get a letter. Like nothing happens. I'm just everything's fine. But I didn't trust what was going to happen next. So I, I manually paid back forty one thousand poker players and just said, "Here, take your money back." We told everyone else that you know withdraw your money, but forty one thousand didn't because social media wasn't that big back then. And so we were manually sending it back to either their bank accounts, their credit cards, PayPal, whatever we had to, to get it back. So within four days, we paid everybody back. And then it was like an, a now what? You know, what do you do now? You just. And so from there, I started getting consulting gigs. And I started consulting for some big uh, land-based casinos. And I started realizing I don't ever want to have all my eggs in one basket ever again. Because I had a 10-year run with one company and didn't do anything else. Now I thought I was going to have another 10-year run. And a year and a half later, it's over. And so I become an angel investor and I started a social media agency. And that's been my whole life since then. So that business tragedy of losing my company overnight or whatever you want to call it, I can't cry about it, right? I changed the entire outlook of the rest of history, which impacts a lot of other people because the angel investing, the social media agency impacts a lot of lives. And so I look back at that bad business moment of what the good parts of it were. Um, So yeah, so since then we spend $60 million dollars paying influencers for brands, products, and mobile apps. And I've angel invested in 37 companies, and then I've done 11 investments through my fund. Crazy, crazy, crazy story. Um, so I was thinking today, I don't even remember how I met you, not physically, but like mostly through online. And I remember just, I was following you, and it's probably because my story is Gary Vee, but I listened to a podcast with you on it, and something that 
has probably nothing to do with business actually drew me to you. So a little bit personal. Um, you said kind of like, and I was listening today because I kind of remember what you said, but it was somebody asked you a question about you know marriage and kids. And you said, I'm working my ass off, but when I have kids, I'm going to kind of slow way down and I want to spend the first three to five years with that. Yeah. And to me, a father of two girls um, and a wife, that was like huge. I was like, oh, because this is that's the kind of human being. Yeah. To me, that's very important. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you, um, well, on a personal level, I know you don't have kids, but why is that going to be important to you when you do have kids? Uh, just from the way I grew up, just I didn't get to see my dad for two decades, basically. So, uh, yeah, that's it. And then I watched my brother do it really, really right. So my older brother and I are polar opposites, but he runs my life. But he's got like white picket fence, two kids, married the nice Russian Jewish girl fresh off the boat right when she got to America. <laughs> Literally, she got to America and he like gave her the tour at college. <laughs> <laughs> and so we lived, you know, I've always looked up to him and he runs my entire, all my investments and all my whole agency, et cetera. And I just watched the family side. And so, um, and I've watched a lot of entrepreneurs go through divorces and have situations with the kids or not know their kids or the kids are mad at them. And I just wanted to really dive in those first couple of years, uh, especially with the kids and then attach them to my life after that. So when they are able to travel with me, I, I want them to be right. Like, obviously if they don't like it, then they're not going to have to be an entrepreneur. I'm not pushing them to be entrepreneurs, but I want them to learn business early. So you can expect that these kids are going to be some founders of businesses really, really early. We're gonna have some, <laughs> um, I'm going to have fun with that. But really, I want to integrate them into my life. And it, that part is important to me. Yeah. And that's how it is with your wife, um, which I noticed with our group, too, a lot is a lot of um, these guys do bring their wives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And I don't know if that's because they knew other entrepreneurs that didn't. And that didn't turn out well because there's mistresses and girlfriends. And yeah, it's very it's, easy to do that. It's just integrating them into your life. Listen, they can't travel with you all the time. Like, especially me, I travel way too much. But if I'm going anywhere that's cool or three days or longer, then my wife goes. If I go for, yesterday I was in three cities. Literally in three cities. She's not going with me to three cities. For what? She's like, get out of here. Go. <laughs> go. But in between all that flying around, I flew to LA to go pick her and the dogs up to drive here to San Diego. Or I could have just drove, I could have just flown to San Diego, did my real estate weekend, seen you and drive back and like go back. But it's important to me to integrate her into my life and anytime that she wants to. It has to be at her option, obviously, because she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important for people to, one, keep your significant other aware of your what your plans are, what your intentions are, because communication is the biggest form of how relationships end. Whether it's personal relationships, bosses and their employees, business partners, staff, coworkers, the biggest situation that happens is miscommunication. And so it's either you assume that they know what you're thinking, which they never do. I promise you they never do. More, worse, more worse, more importantly worse, is you assume to know that what they are thinking, what they want. Like, what does she want? And if you don't ask or you Just don't ask. talk about it, yes, talk. I'll tell you. Yeah. And, uh, but they won't a lot of times preemptively tell you and just add it, you know. And so by human nature, I'm extremely, extremely clear uh, with everyone, my staff, coworkers. That's why I have group chats for everything. I'm telling people, what do I want? What do I like? And if I see competitors doing something or I see I hate something or I see this is bad for 
our society. This is great for our community. Or this is blah, 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 blah. I, I say it all the time because I want them to understand my thought process and I want to know theirs. And is that part of you matured over time from business or personal life? Because I was so many years, I was by myself, right? I was the lone wolf for four years, like from 23 to 27. I literally can't remember a birthday, a date, a dinner, a family function. I went to those things. I can't remember them because for four years, all I did was sell. That was it. I didn't care about anything else. And that's, that's a big gap because your mid twenties is like an important keystone part of your life. And so I, I, I won't allow that anymore. So I was, uh, so Ken Clothier came on our podcast and then literally Monty's like, Ken's coming on. Didn't really know who he was, honestly. And then he's like, um, oh, where are you? I'm like, I'm in San Diego. He's like, I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm in San Diego. I was like, what? And this is during COVID. And I was like, you are? So we had the podcast. I went over and joined him. I was walking in his office. And I see all these pictures of all these people. And I knew about the 100 mil. And I was just like putting two. And I said, hey, did you happen to go to the 100 mil? And he said, right. yeah. And so I said, are they doing like that again? He goes, well, they're going to do the Avengers. Right. So that's how I ended up with Avengers. Yep. And so when I talked to, I forget the guy first, he goes, I text him. He goes, hey, uh, why are you calling me so soon? We're not even ready. I was like, well, Kent said to call you. Right. He goes, okay. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready to wire my money. He's like, okay, we're not even set up. And right. I'm like, so I was one of the first guys to go. Yep. And that's how we met. Um, so I wanted to talk about, by the way, that was my first mastermind ever. Never did anything. I was kind of been, as Monty knows me, a lone wolf in here. I just sure. work, 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 right. work. And I woke up and I'm like, I probably need to start getting outside mm-hmm. my little world. And so... The 100 mil, the, the Avengers, from your point of view, why is it important to have that? And why did you start putting it on? Because on top of everything else, you that's a lot of time. A lot of work, yes. A lot of work. So masterminds are important, whether you go to a free one, a mid-sized one, or a super high-level one. Uh, those are super important because your relationships are the fast-forward button to anything you want in the world. And so when people ask me, what's my superpower? Well, I always say the same thing. It's my cell phone. And so by creating the masterminds, I don't care if I make money or lose money on them. If you guys realize, like, people think about the 100 million mastermind. That's $100,000 per person. It's crazy looking back that we sold out in a few months without showing anything. Yeah. Like, we've had a, a, a basic website and people knew of what Joel Marion and I have done in our personal businesses. But my, event, my events were free. They started here in San Diego for free called Elevator Nights. And they're still free. Crazy. I'm throwing my 46th one coming up in two weeks. Wow. Free. So people had only seen my free business event and my charity events. And then to trust us to give us $100,000 to be into this group. We sell out 100 spots. Okay. If I wanted to make money from it, let's be really blunt. I could have $10 million to work with. I could just say, oh, you know what? It's going to be at the local ballroom at the Marriott. And that's it. I spend two to $3 million per weekend. Why? The answer why is my whole reason for why masterminds are important. The relationships and what happens from those experiences last a lifetime. And the deal flow that happens, I'd rather break even or lose money like we did because of COVID, lose money, lose a couple million dollars to throw them because the deal flow that happened, the relationships that happened, I have access to anything and everything. And the members now have access to a hundred interesting characters that are fully vetted. You know, the other people were willing to pay a hundred thousand dollars to be there. Same thing applies for the Avengers. It's $30,000. Still a big gateway to know that someone's interested in the real estate space or the investing space. They're able to afford to be into the room. So you're vetting from a financial perspective. And they've already told you they want to network also because they're in the room. They want to be at a mastermind. And so now you have 100 people in the real estate game that are either real estate guys or investors. 
the members from the 100 million mastermind can optionally attend some of these weekends as well. So now you have a bunch of rich investors in the room with other real estate people. So both people are happy. The rich guys, the rich ladies that want to invest in real estate are meeting all these people. The people in the real estate game get to meet the rich guys that don't know anything about real estate. So everyone's winning in the scenario. And then I have 22 instructors on 100 million that all have done over 100 million sales or spend ad spend. And on the Avengers side, I'm not a real estate guy. Yeah. I, I literally drove around to make the Avengers. I drove to Cole Hatter's house. I convinced him. By the way, this is literally April, May of COVID. Yeah, I never right? yeah, so People don't even know what's happening in the world. Yeah. Like everything's shut down. Yeah. I literally drove to his house, convinced him. We got on the phone with Cody Sperber. Hey, clever investor, we need you for the Avengers. And I'm like I'm doing the event, like, <laughs> I'm building yeah. vendors. Yeah. And so as this is happening, Kent Clothier, Aaron Wagner, all these, inter- Bobby Castro, all these interesting characters that are legends in the real estate game, hardcore closer, like all these guys, I'm bringing, like I'm bringing them yeah. all together, yeah. right? And that happened because I personally wanted to learn about the real estate game. So similar concepts, it's 30,000, 100 people, so that's $3 million revenue. Let's be really blunt. I throw, I spend over a million dollars per weekend and there's three weekends. So I'm not doing it as a profit margin and I'm really open about it. Like you see all the celebrities and all the crazy stuff that we do. You're probably, like you said, losing money. On Avengers, I'm down a million. Yeah. And I don't mind because over the course of time, think about the deal flow. Uh, Yeah. Like we did a a raise last week at the Avengers event for a chicken company. We raised $6.1 million in seven days flat. So is it okay if I lose a million bucks throwing these masterminds? If I can raise $6.1 million and they're excited and happy to do it for a chicken company. And then we did it for the cauliflower foods. Yeah. We also raised $6 million for cauliflower foods. Quick. That was in the room. Yeah. That was in 10 minutes. That was in 10 minutes, literally. We raised $9.1 million. We can only take $6 million in 10 minutes. And so the, the power of the actual room and the people. And then from the members side, let's flip your hat backwards. Boom. All right. Now I'm a member. Well, Going to a mastermind where the person like Kent has a mastermind. A lot of guys, Cole Hatter, Clever Investor, a lot of guys have masterminds. In those masterminds, there's going to be 30 to 100 people that have already paid. Usually 25K is kind of the average price point for the high-end ones. And in that room, you're going to have a bunch of people in the game. And so let's say you go to a networking event. A lot of times at networking events, everyone's got their business cards out and they're trying to hustle and sell you insurance or sell you this or get you to do this or be whatever. In these scenarios, these are people that are investors, flippers. Uh, they've Crazy been in businesses, yes. whatever, yeah. And even more important than that, those 100 people are now part of your circle, and so is their circle. And so now you meet someone there, and oftentimes you're like, oh, that guy doesn't invest in real estate. Yeah, but his seven friends do. Yeah, but he just does e-commerce. He only does 20 million e-commerce. What's that do with real estate? Seven friends do. <laughs> and guess what happens when they exit the company? What, what does he want to do? He wants to invest in real estate. Yeah. Literally every one of my friends in the e-commerce game, cannabis, nightclubs, et cetera, all of them, are when they get rich, ask me to invest in real estate. All of them. Everyone. They don't ask me, how do I invest in the stock market? How do I invest in this? How do I, no. They want to invest in real estate. And I'm not the real estate guy, so I deploy them to the circle. Yeah. I literally, from my point of view, um, I... Uh, we're real estate. That's all we do. Right. So now I'm getting my wife to invest in chicken companies and cauliflower. <laughs> and she's like, but you know, I, and she's 
getting comfortable. And yeah. she was she got on the call for the chicken company. I said, here, you listen to the guy. You yeah. want to talk to the guy? You want to yeah. ask questions? You jump on there. So she's getting comfortable with it. And it took me to be around real estate guys. Because Kenny, you know, I know you know the real estate, but also with these, you can do 5X, 10X. Right. Yeah. But, I call it the calm the shots of glory. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not putting a gazillion dollars in. Right. But, you know, and I know you guys are vetting against good people. So, you know, down the road, this will come back. Um, with, uh, so, so, so I want to jump in, um, I wanted to talk about that, but I also want to jump into social media. So, um, the funny story, I got to give you this quick story. So my business, we've been doing real estate 18 years. Like if I said I did marketing, you would laugh and go, that's not marketing. That's a joke of marketing. So we never marketed. We we're literally still hundred percent referral. So we sold a property management business that killed us. We sold to a startup. And I said, we need to replace this time and we need to learn the social media game. So my wife says, hey, you should check out this guy. You ever heard of him, Gary V? So no. So I started swallowing his content. Four months later, I'm sitting in his office for a 4D dive. And here comes Gary V, which I know you know. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Gary. And thank goodness they placed me at the end of the table. And there's like 12 entrepreneurs. And I'm sitting there. And um, it was a whole day. Yep. And uh, Gary's like, what the fuck are you doing here, yep. literally? And I was like, well, here's my did on real estate. He goes, okay, so what are you doing here? I said, honestly, I really don't know. He's like, so, like, yeah, what do I do? He's like, you're asking me? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, so you're going to go back home, and you're going to, everything you know about real estate, you're going to give it away. And I was like, so what does that mean? He's like, you have ideas. Ahead. Just go fucking do it. And right. I was like, what did he say? He said, just fucking do it. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I come back here. One of the guys was in a pot, had a podcast. That time, Monty joined us. So, Monty, just reach out. So, we started pockets. I don't even know what to do. Just we're going to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. Then we start posting. We start doing this. So, I'm a couple of years into the game. I literally did not know much about marketing, but I always love marketing. So, I'm working on the podcast, 160 episodes, building the brand, all this. So, yeah. I literally, like you would say, what's the number one thing? Just get started. Yep. Like, And I just got started, and I didn't ask questions. I just dove in. So, that's kind of where my thing is with social media. Still learning it. Still understanding it. But as people jump into it, it is a very crowded, big, crazy space because it's literally, as when I started posting years ago, I've noticed how much more traffic is just on there. It's insane. So going backwards, kind of give me your thoughts on social media, like what's important, what's not important, and what should people be focusing on, whether they're starting the game or they're really in the game now. Yep. So when you're first starting, it's overwhelming, right? You're like, how am I going to stand out? I'm a realtor in Alabama. How am I going to stand out, <laughs> right? Cutting up the pieces of content like you're making is really what helps you stand out. Because you say 160 podcast episodes, to me, I hear 1,600 clips, right? I hear 10 clips. Because every episode, you can have a 60-second clip, a 40-second clip, a 30-second clip, some 12-second like buzzword-type clip. And then you could have a two or three minute one that's like your IGTV or your Facebook and LinkedIn post. That's like where you really go deep about something. So the podcast episodes, here's what's interesting. They're pretty much free outside of the equipment, a couple thousand dollars to set up shop outside. And by the way, you could set up shop for the few hundred if you needed to, yeah. right? You could do it off your phone if you really had to. But for a few thousand dollars, you can have a proper podcast setup. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube have one main thing in common. They're free, free, free. Free, free, and free. And so what you saw of people finally coming in and becoming crowded, people finally realized there's no barrier to entry. You have a cell phone that you carry with you anyway, so you have a really high-end phone. You can publish into any podcast you want for free, and then everything you need is zero to a few, a few hundred bucks. So the barrier to entry went away, and people realized, 
what could happen if you just get on social. Now, what else is scary? Well, people think they have to post it. 10 times a day or 20 times a day because Gary Vee said, I, I need <laughs> exactly. right? You really only need to post once a day. If you post once a day, you're going to have what's called top of mind awareness. You want people to just think about you in those moments. So if someone says San Diego and real estate, oh, there's Kenny. You want the, I want to think of Kenny first. That's what you want to happen more importantly than, oh, I, I blocked Kenny because he posts 17 times a day. Or I remember I used to follow Kenny two years ago, but he posts 17 times a day. Posting one to two times a day, like once in the morning, once in the evening, is going to keep that top of mind awareness. What happens if three days in a row you don't post? Nothing. Everything's fine. We're still going to be here when you get back. Yeah. Hello, we're here. The world yeah. Ends, yeah. yeah, we're still here. And so if you get busy for a couple of days, you'll be fine. Oh, I don't know how I don't I can't make content every day. I'm not that funny. I'm not that interesting. Great. Take a Sunday. Spend three hours with a whiteboard. And all you do is write about everything that you know in a really short form clips and actually break it down. So let's say you wanted to bake a pie. Oh, that's only one video. No. Yeah. Baking a pie is dozens of videos. Hey, this is me going to the grocery store to get ingredients. I don't know. First, there's a video about making the list before you go to the grocery store. That's a video too. Then I'm at the grocery store and I'm picking, how do I choose which grocery store? Because the cost basis at Whole Foods versus Ralph's versus the local market, way different. What if I go to the farmer's market? See how many videos that is? We haven't got to baking a pie yet, right? <laughs> we just made a list and we went to some grocery stores. All those are pieces of content. And so really think about on a Sunday just how you can break down all the different types of things. And you only have to do four things. Teach someone, make it interesting, make them laugh, or make it about them. If you do those four things, you now have what's called shareable content. If you want to grow your social media, you make shareable content. Don't make content about you. If you tell me about why you know how to go to the grocery store, how am I going to ever share that? Teach me why you're going to the grocery store and why you're going to this one instead of that one. Teach me why you go to farmer's markets on Saturdays because apples are cheaper at the farmer's market and they're, I want to support local farmers. That's a video that's interesting to me and I will share it. And then I might show someone like, hey, this is why I should go to the farmer's market. And then guess what happens? If I go to the farmer's market and I bring my friends with me and my family, I now relate that to Kenny. See what's happening? Yeah. None of that costs any money. You already had your phone. You already go to the farmer's market because you already like to make pies and ask you to do anything different in your life. You're just recording it. And so making content on free platforms with your phone that's already in your pocket, with the things that are already in your life will set you up forever. Is that, um, and you bought your book, which is awesome. Um, why did you write this book? Mostly because everyone asked me the same questions over and over. <laughs> That was it. I've, I've, I've written two books, How to Set Up Your Business for Under $1,000, How to Set Up Your Personal Brand for Under $1,000. My third book I'm writing now is How to Set Up Your Events for Under $1,000. And that's pretty much my final book because wow. these are the questions I get asked literally every single day of my life. There you go. Here's the book. If you want the ebook, go get it for free or for 10 bucks. If you want the real book, I'll send it to you or it's 20 bucks. That's it. And it saves me a ton of time and energy. And that's going to happen at scale because as I keep growing personal brand and, and keep growing all these relationships and people keep posting about my stuff. I want to keep it really simple because I do want them. To, I want to answer the question. It's not that I don't want to answer how to do it, but mathematically time-wise, I physically can't do hundreds of responses in a day. So this is my solution to that. And I really break it down simple. My books are not big. They're a hundred pages. I want people to actually, so, yeah, it's very simple. I want people to actually read it. Right. Yeah, if I probably read it a few times, right. Just to get, cause you're going to miss things. Yeah. And 
and I people I just see it, they show me it's just like a big notepad for them and it's really functional that way. And so my books will always be like that because I'm not Gary Vee. I can't write the two, three hundred page books that are like the staples of society. I want mine to be like the useful notebook that's tactical. I mean, I'm fine with how that. To, that's okay. it. Yeah. Literally what it's called. How to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Literally. Um, so I want to talk about investing. Um, so one of the things which is cool is I've obviously I've seen you speak a lot of times because we're always around yep. masterminds and you talk about the 40, 40, 20, yep. which I think is really great because I think um, we just, I just talk about people investing in real estate all day long. And I think people just overcomplicate things because they talk to all these, the Dave Ramsey's and the Grant Cardone, all these things. And it's like, they're just overwhelmed. Um, and I think the way you look at it is very simple. It's tactical. Can you kind of, um, dive into first what your strategy is, but also before that, like, did you come up with the strategy because you were all in and you lost and you realized over time, this is really what's going to be best for me and my yep. family and future. Yep. So it's interesting when you hear the Dave Ramsey's and Grant Cardone's of the world, they're really, really rich. Like, and a lot of times they're older, right? They're 50, 60 years old. They don't, they didn't grow up in the social media world. And so it's hard to not be jaded and not say like, Oh, just go buy this or just go buy that. It's hard advice wise. I, the way I live my life and the way I embed myself into the world, I look at everything bite size of how I was in real time. And I went, what I went through when I had 10 year run and then boom, have a poker site and I lose $65 million company overnight. Wow. I'm like, I'm never going to have that happen again. That's where 40, 40, 20 came from. That's where angel investing came from. That's where all of this came from was losing this huge business over the overnight in the heyday. I mean, this is like, it wasn't just like trucking along. And so emotionally, I'll never let it happen again. Cause I'd never, cause I woke up the next morning, like, what do I do now? I had no backup plan, yeah. right? I was all in. I had no backup plan. And so angel investing is how that came up. Anyways, so what 40-40-20 is, is a way that you can set yourself up for long-term success, but still have some fun. What do I mean by that? Most people, just their whole life of the 40 here, the boring stuff is all they do. It's 100%, yeah. right? They want to invest in things that make them 3 to 8% a year that just keep them going and they don't realize it. the 401k, forget about it. Yes. Yeah. I didn't forget it. Yes. Almost everyone in our society wants that. And they don't realize you literally can't get wealthy that way because you're fighting inflation. And you don't realize all the fees that are involved too. Why do you, why do you, real quick, why do you think people are like that? You think because they're just lazy and they don't want to do the homework? It's just easy. So none of us learned about economics, how to pay your bills, how to get a loan, how to get a lease. Should I get a lease or should I buy? Why would I do that? It's credit. Yeah. Credit back. What do I do if my friend wants to borrow money? What do I do when I gave the money they didn't pay me back? What do I do when my roommate moves out and doesn't pay me the last 1800 bucks? Like, we don't learn any of it. Even me talking about it, as you're listening, you're like, wow, actually, I don't know what to do with that situation. Right? And so we just don't know. And so the 40, the boring stuff that I call it, the 3 to 8%, is what literally everybody in our society does. Like a massive, uh, way higher than 90%. The number is probably 99%. Where if you just ask them, show me your investment portfolio, they're going to show you their 401k and some stocks. And that's it. And their home, their personal home. So the idea I created with this 40-40-20 was 40% is boring because I needed to say that out there. You do need that thing that's 3 to 8%. Hopefully, you're going to find that thing that's 6 or 7 or 8%. That's just going to get you money that's going to beat inflation 
and covered the fees and like you're not you're more preserving your wealth not making it okay but i want to keep in mind if you are making seven or eight percent a year so you're kind of like boring leading to medium cool over the course of time 10 20 30 years i mean it gets crazy so there's a fun thing that ken clothier always says uh, i think albert einstein said it the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest yeah right and so what that means is we actually made a avengerscalculator.com. Go to avengerscalculator.com. It's free. And you just type in the number, how old you are, the number, percentage-wise, you're going to make per year. So put in, let's call it 8%. And then how much you're going to contribute. Monthly, yearly. Yeah. So go in there and just put in 1000 bucks a month for 30 years at 8%. See what Appreciate happens. It. If you put in 1000 bucks a month, 8% for 30 years, you will literally have millions of dollars. Not 1 million. Millions of dollars by putting in 1000 bucks a month. And so, and then as you grow, you could probably put 1200 bucks a month. Maybe you can put 14, then you can finally afford two grand a month. The math gets crazy. So I don't want to say the boring is not worth it. You have to have boring. The middle part, this 40% is what you're like. This is what real estate is, the stock market is. These are the things that have the word medium risk to it. It's not really full risk, right? If you buy a house for 600K in San Diego, you cannot go to zero. Yeah. Literally, a firestorm hits it, you'll get your insurance money back. It can't go to zero. In the dirt or something. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can it go from 600K to 520? Sure. Yeah. But is it more likely to go from 600 to 640 to 690 to 700, 800, et cetera? Yes, most likely with the course of time. So it has the word risk to it, but it's not that it can go to zero. The same thing with Amazon, Google, Netflix, Tesla, et cetera. Can they go from $200 a share to zero? No, it's not physically possible. Can it go from 200 to 174? Sure, of course it can. Can it go from 174 to 140? Facebook of course. just did. Yeah. Facebook dropped 24% in one day. The biggest stock market loss in history. I love it. Goodbye. I'd buy it. Yeah. Right? Why wouldn't buy I buy it? it? Do you believe that Facebook will still be here in seven years? Yes. Do you believe Facebook will acquire another WhatsApp, another Instagram, another XXXX company? Yes. So it's not, you're not just betting on Facebook. You're betting on WhatsApp, Instagram, and all the hundreds of companies that they're going to acquire. Gonna it, yeah. Right? And so... What I mean by that is, did Facebook go down 24%? Yeah, it did. Do you believe long-term? Because I don't, I don't look at one-day investments. That's not an investment. That's flipping. That's a speculator. I look at, do I believe in Facebook in 2026, in 2032, et cetera? My answer is yes. Same thing applies to Netflix, Google, Amazon, et cetera. And so the medium risk stuff is where you're hoping to get 10 to 25%. Great returns, really compounds because you can five to seven years you're literally doubling your money if you can stay at that rate that becomes really interesting and this is where most people are going to live that are actually going to go out and invest outside of their 401ks mutual funds etc these people is what the rest of society is going to do for the most part and this is what i mostly preach about and real estate side is fantastic because this is where you can get monthly income depending on the type of investments you're going to get appreciation you're going to get tax benefits i love the, this part the most now, the most exciting part's here, right? This is the 20%. So it's called 40-40-20. boring, 40% medium, 20% high risk. Or I actually call it shot at glory, right? The shot at glory is if you're right and this thing hits it and your cousin who started a clothing line makes a big clothing line, you win. And your friend from high school that makes a big record label, you win. Or your buddy, she's amazing at cookies and now she's got eight locations you win and so these shots of glory are startup investments which are really high risk right most of the time your buddy's clothing is not going to make it 
Most of the time, the cookie place, she's not going to do it. Most of the time, it's not going to happen. But if you're right, and if you hit it, that 25K investment becomes 500,000. So your downside there is one-to-one ratio. So you put up 25,000, you invested in her cookie brand, and she's going to open eight locations. God bless her. Your 25K, you invested when it was a 1 million valuation, and now it's off to a 20 million valuation. You made 20X on your money. So your 25K becomes 500K. But your risk basis, if you gave her 25K for a cookie business, it doesn't work. It's only one-to-one. So that's why I like these shots at Gloria's. Like if you walked into the casino, you put up $25,000. It's a big risk, right? Putting up 25K. But your upside is theoretically all the chips in the casino, right? Your downside is the 25K. If you don't bring a credit card, you don't bring any, <laughs> right? you're not going to take a marker. Yeah. If you just have this 25,000, which is a lot of money, if you just have 25,000, you can't lose more than 25K. But your upside is theoretically all the chips in the, in the whole casino. Same thing applies. Her cookie place might go from eight locations to 80 and 200. So your 25K has a basis of like, whoa, what happens if she goes and becomes the next crumble cookies and has hundreds of locations? That's a billion dollar company, right? You came in at 1 million. So that's life-changing. I call those shot at glory. But there is downside, there is high risk because most people are not going to go build the next crumble cookie because I can't name a bunch of other cookie places, yeah. right? I can name four. Yeah. There's probably been hundreds, if not thousands. So that's high risk. Uh, angel investing to me is my most exciting part because when it does happen, it's huge big multiple, and it causes a lot of jobs to be created. And so that's my emotional reason why I angel invest so much and why I'm rallying people to invest so much. You see a lot of my content. I'm telling my followers to invest, but also telling my friends that are rich, medium, just starting to make money or aspiring to make money. I'm telling all of my friends to invest because if they just do this, they cannot get wealthy. If they just do the boring, they cannot get wealthy. I want them to create jobs. I want them to be out there actively. And it's really fun. It makes you work way harder, right? If you're making money, let's say you're making 180 grand a year. You're like, I'm crushing the real estate game. I do real estate in San Diego. I made 180,000 last year. You're balling. That's fantastic. Next year, you're going to do 220. And awesome, right? Now I've got the wife, two kids. I make 220,000. That's fantastic setup. If you invested 50K that year into your business, and then you invested 50K, into some real estate, you know how much harder you're going to work in year three? One, because it's a game. You're going to want to keep your bank account up. Like, oh, wait, I, I, was, I had 180 and I made 220 and I don't have any money in my accounts right now because I invested in all these things. The game will make you work harder, but also the excitement of investing the next 50K in the next deal, I promise you that person will jump from 220 to 300. I 1,000% agree. Just from emotion. Yeah. I think um, we were talking at dinner the other night and um, I think the, we're like kind of the game's rigged because a lot of people, like you said, they just, you know, go to college, date, get married, have kids, buy the house, throw the money in the 401k. And they wake up in 30 years, they go, what happened? I didn't, I thought I was going to get wealthy. I didn't. And um, a lot of, because there's so much content, a lot of people are sacrificing, saying, I'm going to live real, real, real frugal and start deploying capital. And when that capital starts to become, like you said, 500, a million or millions, and you're deploying it, all of a sudden you're like, holy smokes. Mm -hmm. And that is very addictive. You're like, okay, cool. I don't care about the fancy car, the house and all that. I actually love doing this. And I don't think you all understand that, you know? Um, What do you think when, the one thing I think that you guys have become good at is obviously how to pick investments. So when you go out, because you guys get tons of deals thrown at you all the time, how do you, 
like, how do you pick? How do you analyze? So you're like, okay, if I'm going to do this shot of glory, I'm going to give it the best shot I can, especially if I'm bringing friends, family, et cetera, money in with yep. me. Like, how do I do, how do you do that? And how do you pick? So when I mentioned my, the friend that started clothing line or the friend that had a record label or the friend that's starting the cookie business, if you're one of the first investors, you're taking extremely high risk. So Dan would gamble on those situations, but I would never bring that to Kenny. Big difference. Would Dan invest into the next, that girl pitching me about the cookie brand? Yes, would I? Would I, if she says, hey, will you get Kenny to invest? No, literally no, I won't. Because it's too high risk and I don't want to risk my personal brand with Kenny. Because if I have him invest here and then she's like, you know what? I don't care about cookies anymore. I'm actually going to go be an esthetician. Well, now Kenny's mad. Like, Dan, right? what happened? Exactly. Yeah. And so I removed that risk because when she's got her third location, and now she's like, hey, I want some investment capital. I'm excited to call Kenny because I know she's ride or die. I know she lives this thing. She's not leaving to become an esthetician or a realtor on location three. And now she's doing 1.6 million sales. I'm removing a ton of the risk. And so the investments that I showed to my friends or I talk about on social, I'm removing a ton of the risk that these are businesses that are already doing seven figures or more. I'm not really looking for companies that are doing really big revenue. I like 2 million or 20 million. The chicken one was different because of the situation that, cause they're doing 48 million. But there's so much upside. Yeah. Yes. They're just a very seasoned veteran. And so 2 million and 20 million is my perfect spot because I can bring a bunch of my friends in. We're also helping determine our own fate, right? Because I'm bringing in people that can help the business as well. Let's use Everbull as the example, cause they're a San Diego based company. I invested when they were at 17 locations. So they already had, they set up shop, right? I got 17 locations. Great following, people yes. love their stuff, yeah. But think of the difference, what happened there. I invest a good amount into the parent company. I then bring Aaron Wagner, Wax Capital, because he's got over 100 restaurants. Cookies, actually, that's why I was in my brain, because he has a, a ton of crumble cookie locations. I say, okay, let's bring in a food guy into this business I have 17 locations. 23, 24, 25 locations they open. COVID happens. They have to furlough like three, 400 employees. The founder realizes what he can do and how to change his strategy. And he goes and starts selling on QVC, Frozen, right? Me, Aaron, Cole, we start actually buy the locations and help this business convert to become a franchise business. Now there's 53 locations a year later. So 17 to 23-ish. So now 53 locations and opening one every 10 days. So I'm helping my own investment because I like it. Why is that important? If your buddy's starting a clothing line and you like the clothing business, you are more inclined to help them. If someone's starting a record label and you know nothing about music and you don't care about music and you don't even listen to music because you just like podcasts, well, that investment, you're not going to really help them. Big difference as a strategic investor or passive investment. I only bring up deals to my friends and mass my members and social, et cetera, on deals that I know that we can physically help. And I'm vetting them because they've already done X amount of revenue before I show it to everyone. And the number one thing that I can tell you to look out for is the founder themselves, the partners, the founder. Because if they're like the Harvard grad, you're like, oh, this guy went to Harvard and they have so much ahead of them. They have, like they have this great pedigree. That person also has so many options to go get hired from their own company. If it fails, guess what? They can go be a lawyer, a doctor, an investment banker. Salary quickly. Yeah. 
in a heartbeat. <clears throat> Betting on the person that's right or die. I just use that always. That at three in the morning, the convention, they find out that the plumbing went out at the convention, the booth is flooded. I want the one that's going to show up at 3.07 a.m. The vacuum. Like ready. Yeah. I'll be there with them, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming too. I'll be there. But the Harvard guy, not to say anything bad about Harvard, Harvard guy's probably going to figure out and delegate who's going to go over there to fix it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. And then he'll be there at 8 a.m. when it opens. Yeah. And so I'm looking for the person that's right or die in that scenario. And I want to hire the Harvard guy to be the COO. But I don't want to bet on them to be the entrepreneur. Because I need someone that's going to live and breathe this business. And that, to me, is critical. You can remove a lot of your risk by finding businesses that already have some revenue, have a founder that's ride or die, or they have exits. Let's say that same Harvard guy has had two exits before. Of course I'm all in, right? Now he's proven he has the fancy pedigree, but he's also had two exits before. Let's go. What happened with the chicken company, right? They already had a $2 billion exit prior. Okay, cool. (laughs) Let's go. And so you can, as you're looking at angel investing, because it is exciting and you are going to get pitched. Listen, as you go make money in real estate or you go make money with opening salons, whatever it is that you do, you are going to get bombarded with angel investment pitches. The best way to protect yourself is betting on the person, knowing that they've had previous experience or someone that's close, like a partner or a big staff member has the experience. And that people care. Caring is voting with your wallet. Did people actually buy this thing? Because everybody says, oh, I make the, my grandma makes the best macaroni and cheese. You love it because you grew up as a child eating that macaroni and cheese. Me and Kenny, we might not like it whatsoever. And neither do those 40 people. So until you actually sell the macaroni and cheese and me and Kenny want to buy it a third and fifth, seventh time, it's cute that Kenny and I say, oh, yeah, I like it. And then we put the bowl down and never have it again. But if we actually paid for it and we pay for it again next week and next week and next week, that's a business I'll invest into. So just look for those things when you're choosing your angel investments. Love it. Um, so crypto. Yeah. Um, I actually never invested in crypto. I usually study things. I studied for uh, two years, listen a lot of pomp, everybody else. Yep. And then I don't, I usually don't deploy unless I kind of, you know, believe in something like you guys vetted or crypto, I'm going to put my eyes. So I studied and learned it and then restarted deploying. Um, and it's great. Mastermind has a lot of great people like Dan Young. So I yep. think his brains and stuff. Um, high level crypto metaverse. What are your thoughts? Where is it going? And um, are you excited or not excited about yep. it? So Bitcoin and Ethereum are inevitable as far as being the granddaddies of the space. And I believe in math and time. And so over the course of time, Bitcoin especially is inevitable as far as value basis and what it does functionally for our society. Ethereum is much faster and is used by corporations. So I like them as my main uh, investments. Other ones are shot at glories, right? There are lots of other coins. There are over 10,000 other tokens and coins that are out there um, that you could invest into and might only be a penny or might be 12 cents or 30 cents, a dollar, et cetera, that could have a moonshine. That to me is not, that's, that's crossing your fingers. That's a different type of shot of glory, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I don't talk about those very often because those are risky. If you find one, make sure it's a real business. Look at it like a business. Uh, there's one I do invest into called OMI. The company is called Vive because they have over 90 licenses. Oh, they have like uh, Magic the Gathering, Marvel Studios, Disney, Star Wars, the US Postal Service. Like they have all these licenses to make NFTs. And so 
that one to me, I look at it like a business and the coin price goes up and down. I don't care. I'm looking at it as a long-term investment into an actual company to me buying their token. And so on the crypto side, I like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and there's other coins that are out there, but those are the main. From a metaverse side, NFT side, again, two things are inevitable. Metaverse is happening. Zillions of dollars are going to that space. Now, are you going to be living in the metaverse in four years? Absolutely not. Let's just be really clear. You're not. We're, we're nowhere near that. Uh, Oculus has been around for a long time, and I promise you, you've never worn Oculus more than three times. Everyone listening? And I have a headache after 30 minutes. So. Everybody listening, I want you to raise your hand if you've worn Oculus more than three times. Nobody's raising their hands. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people own it, but it's just not something we functionally do yet. So we are nowhere near living in the metaverse. Let's just be clear about that. Now, is the metaverse being built out and every major brand jumping in and celebrity jumping in? Yes. Can you make a ton of money in it? There's that story I posted a few months ago. My nephew asked me to put up, tw- my nephew asked me, 23 years old. He's like, damn it. He asked me to, to match him $12,600. I said no, because it was like a black screen with a green dot on it. He's like, I'm going to buy Axie Infinity land. I'm like, what are you talking about? And normally I'm a gambler. I'm like, yeah, here's 12 grand. Go do it. I said no. He buys it, three lots. He sold one for just under $2.5 million for the largest sale in history. Did you call you right away? Well, he texted me that moment. And I was like, <laughs> You're like, what? I, by the way, I don't regret it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I have 0.0% regret. You're like stoked for him. It was a black screen with a green dot on it. It's not my investment style. Yeah. Now, when he asked me for anything, yes, I just sent him money now because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yes, literally yesterday, he just raised another $50 million for his NFT fund. Because of this trade. He raised $30 million at the time. Yeah, it's a large fund, but he was at the the very beginning of it. So he runs the NFT fund part of it. Literally yesterday, who's now 24 years old, my nephew raised $50 million for his NFT fund. So wild. And did that story help him go kind of viral with the whole... Yeah, the fund was already doing well and obviously has good performance. Uh, But that story, I posted it everywhere because it's a great story. Oh, it's phenomenal. Right? It's the best, yeah. So the metaverse part is also inevitable. There's a zillion dollars that are being built there. My friend Adam Weitzman and I, we put $1 million into a company called Big Time. Big Time is like the play to earn version of the metaverse. And so think of like Fortnite. Okay. They're building that in the metaverse. And the founder, again, betting on founders, he was the co-founder of Decentraland, which is worth billions of dollars. Yeah. So the co-founder of the multi-billion dollar metaverse leaves he's still on the board there but leaves to go start big time i want to bet on that guy wherever he's going i'm, I'm in especially he's going somewhere in the same space his name's ari so adam and i put a, adam and i just put a million bucks in because the founder of <laughs> the central land is now doing it again and adding in gaming where gaming is the biggest thing on the planet that people don't really realize how huge it is and so combining his experience at the central land with the gaming world and hiring a bunch of people in the Fortnite type Halo and all those. He went and hired all those type of guys to help him build it. I want to bet on that. That's why we put in a million bucks there and we're going to spend more. So also metaverse inevitable. And lastly, NFTs. So on the NFT side, you hear Gary screaming about it. It's not 95% are going to fail. It's 99%. But I want to clarify, even though over 95% of the NFTs are going to go to zero or be worth pennies or a few dollars, the same thing happens because over 95% of restaurants fail, over 95% of clothing lines fail, over 95% of record labels fail, over 95% of most every industry fails. We only hear about Nike. There's 
30,000 clothing brands a year that don't make it. Sheesh. Right? So we hear about, oh, yeah, look at that nightclub. You know how many hundreds and thousands of nightclubs don't make it? Yeah. That Blaze Pizza is crushing it. LeBron James and Patrick Schwarzenegger are crushing with Blaze Pizza. You know how many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pizza places we never hear about that have one location? Yeah. So that's the same concept NFT. People are like to talk crap about it, but most of them are going to fail or be at zero or being a few dollars because that's just the way markets go. And only Gary Vee with V Friends is going to go crush it. And Steve Aoki and Logan Paul are going to crush it. They have big audiences. Some rappers are going to make NFTs that go to zero and some rappers are going to crush it. Look at Nas. Good luck trying to buy Nas's NFT. He crashed the system. It was so impressive. <laughs> but lots of other rappers didn't, right? And so there's going to be sh- the guys that go there and crush it. And a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money in the NFT space. But when you're right and you buy a board ape for 400 bucks or for four grand or for 10 grand, you're like, I can't believe someone spent $4,000 on a monkey. Well, you can't, you can't buy them for a quarter million now. So it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. There's this artist, um, I was telling Monty yesterday and I didn't know why people put the ape on there. I think you might've mentioned or somebody mm-hmm. when we were at the last mastermind and says, so I'm artist Collie Buds. I don't know if you ever heard of mm-hmm. him. So he follows Gary Vee. He bought, he had the ape on his Instagram a while ago. Oh, he bought okay. one. He's crushing He's it. following Gary's all buddies now. And I was like, and I was like, now he's posting. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy bought him. Like you said in the beginning, he put the ape on there. And now I get the whole thing. What do you, um, when people, I'm not, like I said, I'm not super in crypto. When people ask about investment advice, I always tell people with crypto, you know, go to crypto.com, put a hundred dollars in. You know, learn how to move the money, set right. up account, you know, whether you want to go USDC or whatever, yep. and then just play with a little bit of money, but go through the process because if you want to do this in the future, you've already know how to set up account. Exactly. Is that something you kind of recommend? Just yep. play with small money you could like just okay. lose and just have fun with? Set up a Coinbase account, set up a Cash App. Most people have Cash App. Set up a Coinbase account, set up Cash App, set up crypto.com, et cetera, buy 100 bucks. Transfer 20 bucks to another platform or to your buddy and see how it works. Convert Bitcoin to Ethereum. Convert 50 bucks from Bitcoin to Ethereum and vice versa. Just to be part of the game and understand it. Because what if Dan's right? And I'm not wearing two antennas and Bitcoin does keep going and Ethereum does keep going. I'm not the crazy, right? And it keeps rising. You want to know how to buy a thousand bucks later and five grand later and 10 grand later, et cetera. And so it's important for people to just understand the process. And even if you don't believe in Bitcoin, or I don't even know how people say that anymore, but if you don't believe in it, it's worth, we're talking about trillions of dollars now yeah. in crypto space. We're, yeah. There's no more believing anymore. It's, yeah. it's, we're here, right? It's over a decade yes. this year, yeah. yeah. When I was installing Bitcoin ATMs in 2014, I understood why people looked at me <laughs> like I had three heads. Yeah. Yeah. But now we're way past that. This is like, this is inevitable. Um, yeah, just getting in the game and understanding the process. And even if, again, even if you're scared of it, don't like it, talk crap about it, buy hundred bucks. Yeah. What's, um, I mean, you, your life to me from the outside is crazy. Um, you're all over the place. Um, and I think a lot of common people are like, how do you do it? But not that question, but you're also around a lot of not just successful people, but a lot of amazing people. Um, whether they're business, whether they're speakers, whether they're both, whether they write books, whether they're philanthropists, whatever. What is a couple, one, two, three things that being around all these amazing people has helped change your life or help you grow as a person? 
Um, watching the way they move, watching the way that they interact with their staff, watching the way they interact with their event production people, watching the way they interact with the waiter and waitress, watching just watching the way people move. I'm, I'm talking about people on a super, super, super high level financially. I like to watch the way that they interact with humans uh, from every aspect. Um, I learn about how they decide and make decisions about their personal brands, what they invest into, what companies they start, who they align with. And so over the years, I've watched certain characters, like as they get rich, they kind of disappear. And they can live happy lives doing that. I watch other characters as they start to make money and how they become social butterflies and how they can end relationships with their wives and husbands or make everything better for them. And, and I've watched really, 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 really rich friends be super depressed. And, and have 10 cars and 20 cars and 40 cars and two private jets and mansions. And they sleep in a different bedroom than their wife or husband. And their kids, they haven't seen them in two years because they don't call them. And they won't call each other because, you know, ego. Wow. And so I've watched every aspect of it. I've watched the different sides and I pick and choose. How can I avoid this? How can I do this at scale? And how can I protect other people from that happening to them? That's crazy, though. It's so in some ways, it's great. In some ways, it's just sad. But for you, you're just learning from it. Um, so and I know I've been in breakouts and I've asked you this, but I think people see you. You're in three cities yesterday. You're in San Diego today. I'm sure your schedule is insane. You're going to be all over the place. Um, how in the world do you do it all? And then secondly, um, you're a human. So when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're anxious, anxiety, how do you, how do you, what do you do personally to deal with that? So I handle it all through group chats. It's literally how I run my life. Every event has a group chat. Every charity event has a group chat. Every investment has a group chat. Every social media client has a group chat. The Avengers has a group chat. The 100 million mastermind has a group chat. The instructors have a group chat. The actual event has a group chat. So there's layers of group chats for every group chat. That's how I literally run my life. And the reason I don't use the fancy, I mean, I still use the fancy platforms like a ClickUp. I'll still use that for staff wise, but I'm not using that on a daily basis personally because I know text messages have a 100% open rate, right? It's like 99.9%. What happens on when people are like, oh, why don't you use Asana? Why don't you use the email for this and blah, blah, blah for that? Well, people can get away from those things. Like, oh, I didn't see that email, right? Email people can respond to later or the platforms they can respond to later. Text message, we're all there. And the reason I use group chats is because they can hold each other accountable. Screenshots don't lie. So if, if you said you're going to be there. <laughs> That's true. I like that. If you, if you said you're going to be there at 8 a.m. Right. And it's 940. You're like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be there at 8 a.m. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I like that. <laughs> and so oh, the reason I bring everybody together is now instructors can talk to each other. Event coordinators can talk to each other. Members can talk to each other. Investment people can talk to each other. Charity people can talk to each other. So that's how I run all the craziness that you guys see me do with so many different things. And I have a quarterback for each thing. So Dan's not running Everbowl Acai. Dan's not running a sports card business. Dan's not running a social media agency. Dan's not running investment. All of those have a character. I call them a quarterback running them. And then from there, and they're, they have autonomy. They are literally running them. I am the coach for the quarterback. So I'm helping them whenever they need me to. Relationships, money, connections, 
following up with someone and yelling at somebody, making sure this happened, making a connection. Like I'm there to help. But ultimately, I don't sell acai. I don't sell sports cards. I don't sell the social media agency clients. I don't sell the mastermind members. Those are all done by different characters. Um, and then as far as a, as a human, the reason I don't get stressed very much is because I know problems are going to happen. I'm fully aware of it, accepting it, and they don't upset me because I expect them. And so people get disappointed by their significant others, employees, friends, et cetera, because they have these high expectations with no communication. Like, oh, my eight-year-old's fantastic. They're going to clean their room this week. You don't tell them to clean the room. They're probably not going to clean the room. And so when Friday rolls around and they don't clean the room, why are you upset with them? Why are you stressed out? Why do you have anxiety? Why are you complaining to your your aunt and uncle and significant others like about the kid that didn't clean the room? You didn't tell them and have a talk about it. So they didn't know you wanted them to and they thought you were going to do it or you were going to hire a maid to do it because you guys just never talked about any of those versions. I expect people to screw up. I expect people to lie, cheat, and steal. It sucks. But I've watched it happen over and over and over. And because I'm around so many humans and so many situations, so many companies, I've watched lie, cheat, and steal. I've watched people not show up. I've watched people blame others. I've watched people not take accountability. I've watched everything. So it's not that I have low expectations. I have realistic expectations for everybody. And so if I expect that you might lie, cheat, or steal, or I expect that you might not show up, or I expect that you might quit and go work for someone else, or I expect that you might do X, Y, and Z, how do I get emotional or sad about it when it happens? I'm expecting it. Now, you can only go up from there, right? If you don't do that for one year, two year, four year, or for the rest of our life, fantastic. I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. If you do do it, I'm not surprised by it. And then from a sleep schedule, there are times where I, I'm just, I know I'm not going to get to sleep much. When I went to the three cities yesterday, I didn't get to sleep. It was, I mean, I slept, but it was for a couple hours. And then on the flight from Vegas to LA, there's like my 40 minute, like cat nap, right? Um, <laughs> But then last night in San Diego, as soon as the dinner with all the mastermind members and all the event uh, members for Kent's event, as soon as that dinner was over, I went to the room. And everybody's going to night. Everyone went to the nightclubs. And by 11 o'clock, I'm in the room. That's it. And so I got a full night's sleep last night to kind of recharge the battery from the day before being in three different cities. Um, And so from a personal perspective, one, most things don't upset me because I look at them as when you're a CEO or when you're running a company, you're an entrepreneur. Your core job is to fix problems. And people don't talk about it enough. That's your core job is to fix problems. And so for me, I deal with that at scale because there's so many different companies and so many different events and so many different masterminds, so many different charities. I'm doing so many different things. I'm literally just a problem solver morning, noon, and night. It's really hard to bother me uh, unless you just do something that's like, whoa, like you're going to go to jail over it. Like unless you do something like completely you hit a girl, I'm, I'm going to freak out on you. You do something to steal from my friend, like, I'm going to freak out on you. I'm, I'm more upset if you do something to somebody else than me. There's a big difference. You steal from me, I'm a big boy. You hit me, I'm a big boy. Like, you do something to me, I, I can figure it out. I don't mind. You hit a girl or you steal from my friend or you do this to someone else, all, yeah. all bets are off. Wow. And so in my life, I, I look at those things in every aspect is how do I protect my time? How do I protect my energy and how do I protect my mental health um, is being really, really aware of how humans are. Wow. Good answer. Um, Very impactful. So kind of last topic to talk about, and I want to do a quick rapid fire with you um, is charity. So that's the other thing that's like super awesome. You do. Um, And I know it's like 
passion and big. Can you just talk about like, obviously, I, I don't think like why you got into charity. I think it's obvious, but what kind of charity are you doing? And then like how long and like how it's been impactful, like, you know, just to maybe your life, but also people around you and other people, like how's it going? So charity started here in San Diego uh, called Model Citizen Fund, mostly because I was raising money for other people's charities and then not seeing what happens. So I threw a charity poker tournament Sunday night. I raised them $145,000. The media is there. Everything's great. I give them the $145,000. Bam. And then one week goes by, one month, one year. I never, right? And it's not to say that they didn't do anything with it. It just didn't have the same emotional feel. And all my friends that came over and donated the $145,000, I don't have anything to show them. And so when the next event happens, they might go for fun. And because by default, they're just going to be there to support me or the charity. But I'd like something that's visual. And so Model Citizen Fund is literally that, and I'm never going to change it. It's been 10 years now. We make backpacks for the homeless with 150 emergency supply items inside. That's it. Half food and drink, half clothing, poncho, watch, sleeping bag, things for cleaning supplies. Very basics when it comes to that. Now, is that going to save someone forever? Absolutely not. But I know I can't cure cancer and I can't cure AIDS. And I think they've been cured for decades. So that's a different rabbit hole. Yeah. And so me going out and trying to raise a billion dollars to go do those things that I think have already happened is not my passion. So I made a very simple focused charity that just helps the homeless, women abuse shelters, teen abuse shelters, and orphanages. That's it. That's all we do. So I tie in my charity to almost everything that we do. Mastermind events, there's a charity poker event. We're going to do something for my clothing business. Boom. My Acai, whatever, the sports car. Always I'm trying to incorporate charity into it, whether it's mine or other people's. So we do also Trina's Kids Foundation four times a year for the last seven years where they're very basic and straightforward. And I make so much content because I want people to replicate us, not necessarily donate to us. I like that, yeah. I don't need you to donate to my charity to buy backpacks for the homeless. You can do that. You can get a Ziploc bag, 20 Ziploc bags with your kids and go give them out. I don't need you to donate to buy my bags. Mine are just efficient and have lots of items. Literally don't need to. Just buy your own backpack or Ziploc bag and go do it. Get the joy out of it from doing it. Yes. Um, with Trina's Kids Foundation, we do a, a report card day. So in June, July, people, the kids bring in their report cards. It's 400 kids. And then based on your report card, there's, there's toys, there's shoes, or there's iPads and, you know, oh, you know, like, nice. I like that. and so I don't ask people to donate to that. Can they donate? And we would like them to donate. Sure. Of course, we're going to get more stuff out. But ultimately I want people to do their own report card day in any city in the country, in any city in the world, really. Then we have back-to-school drives. So now it's August. It's about to go back to school. We bring in clothing, shoes, backpacks, all the school supplies that cost families money. Same thing. It's three to 400 families. And all the extra supplies we go give to other people's charities. November, we do Thanksgiving food drive. I don't need you to donate to my Thanksgiving food drive. If you'd like to, donate to Trina's kids. Great. I want you to replicate a Thanksgiving food drive in Boston, Chicago, Atlanta, Honduras, Uzbekistan, I don't care where you do it, <laughs> right? And even if Thanksgiving doesn't apply to your country, do your own version of whatever that cultural event is or doesn't have to be any special event. Just help feed your local community and watch what happens. And then December's our biggest one. That's the toy drive. That was crazy. Last year was insane. So every year we do it in downtown LA. Same thing, it's 400 families, but we get way more toys and we give it out to a bunch of other people's charities. Everybody else's toy drive, we got you. We're going to give you toys also. This year, with one week notice, we filled up SoFi Stadium. 
Yeah. 16,000 toys with one week notice. And now, guess what's going to happen this year? We're going back. (laughs) (laughs) We have have more than one week notice now. Yeah. And so charity is important to me for a lot of reasons. It's part of my passion. I want people to replicate it because I know what happens from the butterfly effect. I know if all of a sudden Kenny starts doing charity events, it's not just Kenny. His employees like it. His staff like it. His real estate investors like it. And all of a sudden, that person goes off and starts their charity. And that person does their charity. That person does their charity. That person inspires other people. And they're all posting content. Yes. And so my goal at scale is how can I get people to replicate charities? And by the way, I said a lot of different styles, right? Backpacks for the homeless, report cards, Thanksgiving food drives, toy drives. These are all replicable. You get to pick and choose what you like. Whether you want to donate, replicate, inspire people to replicate it. That's my goal with charities. That's awesome. So I want to do some rapid fire. Yeah. Um, biggest life lesson. Just get started. <laughs> uh, Vegas, like loss in business. The poker business. I mean, that was that was emotional. <laughs> um, favorite city. San Diego. Oh, I was hoping you'd say that. Um, biggest change in your life that made you better. <sighs> biggest change in my life that made me better. Uh, wow. So I just had like seven different answers pop into my head. Um, realizing that most people are not going to be at your funeral. Wow. And so when I'm up on stage, if a bird pooped on my head, I would wipe it off and keep talking and I wouldn't flinch. And people are like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Couldn't care less. The 700 people in here in the room, not to be rude, you're not going to be my funeral. And by the way, even people at my funeral, you should understand if the bird poops on my head. So I just don't have that emotion. People are always like, Look at the way that my life is. Like, oh, you haven't had a car in seven years. Well, you should have all these flashy cars. I couldn't care. I don't need to impress you. And when you really, really think about it, we're on a rock floating around the galaxy. <laughs> and we have, like, we're in these weird bodies. Yeah. Like, it's, if you really, really think about it, what do I care? And by the way, we're here for a really short period of time. In 70 years from now, all of us are going to be dust. Literally. You and I are not going to exist in 70, 80 years. We're just not. Yeah. If we make it that long. And so I really care if you're like, oh, why is he wearing blue instead of red? Why does he like Lacoste? He should have worn Nike. I think I freaking care, right? I do that at scale. When I finally realize like nothing embarrasses me and I talk about the bad stuff all the time and I try to promote people talking about the bad stuff, that changed my life. Um, how many kids do you want? Two. Um, what's the most important thing to you in life? Um, that people actually do stuff. Because I know how short life is, and I've watched a lot of friends pass away really early, and they didn't live to their potential. So I won't allow that around me. Best word to describe you? Relentless. Definition of gratitude. <laughs> Definition of gratitude. Uh, realizing how lucky you are to exist. Um, so my question I always ask everybody is, what is your definition of generational wealth? So... It's interesting because I actually ask a similar question to every celebrity. I ask them, and it always you get a very different answer from a. Yeah, wh- you do. Wh- right. Okay. What do you do with your money for your kids, yep. right? And so, to me, generational wealth is about your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. I don't want them to be billionaires. Do I want them to have money forever? Absolutely. Do I want them to not worry about medical costs and life? I would never hand a child one billion dollars. 
or an 18-year-old $1 billion or a 28-year-old $1 billion. And so if I go off and make five, 10, 20 billion dollars, uh, my kids are not going to have five, 10, 20 billion dollars. And my great, great grandkids are not either. But will they worry about money now? But if they just have that, they're not going to have the game and they're not going to have the, the personal skills. And so for me, generational wealth is I want to own a bunch of things that produce income for them forever. But I want it to be handled and managed in a way that they can still have their own lives, not on because of great grandfather Dan. Um, where's the best place for people to find you, learn more about you, all the stuff you do? On social media, my name's the same. That's important for you guys too. Your name, your bio, everything should look the same on every social media platform. So it's just at Dan Fleischman everywhere. Um, Dan, thanks for coming on. I um, I've seen a lot of people introduce you like stage and stuff and i think we'd all probably say the same thing about you in front of you behind your back um you're probably one of the most connected pe per people i've ever met um you're definitely uh i don't know how you do it all so i always in my mind i'm like hell is he doing all this stuff i knew we were a bit in dallas and then i didn't even know my wife's like did you know dan flew somewhere and flew back and i'm like what yeah, yeah like that's she what, was telling me i was sitting there the and dangerous I, event. I didn't yeah. even know yeah um but the fact that I feel like you're just a person that is really trying to give, whether it's charity, whether it's your friends, whether it's people, whether you're trying to create jobs. And so you don't have to do that. You could just run your business and go home and not do anything and say, see ya, and um, be self through time, which is okay. But you choose to spend a lot of time to give back. So I want to say, I, I think of, when I think of gratitude, somebody like you too comes to mind. But um, thank you for all you do for all of us. Um, we're lucky to have like somebody like in our life to help you know guide, push us to do all these great things. Um, the last thing I want to ask you before you go is just quickly um, in a few minutes is about kind of your little Patrick project and um, the property you're getting ready to do. And I think you're going to live on because I think that's going to be fun. And I just want to learn quickly about it so people can know. Yep. So for the last couple of years, I've been searching for a ranch. I've wanted one my whole life, but really like my wife wants to have an animal sanctuary and she loves animals yes <laughs> and so uh it's kind of the perfect storm if we could find an equestrian ranch so we found one uh, it's 40 acres in temecula and half of it is already an active equestrian ranch for years and it's all decked out and so she can have an animal sanctuary there and have all the horses there and they're already there and the other half of it it's going to be with pedro's coolion uh, where we're going to build a basically an adventure boot camp you can go there for an American Ninja Warrior course, basketball, football, soccer, all the all the sports things, huge zip line and paintball and gun shooting and all these different training things. And in, in between there, there's Airbnbs, a wedding venue, uh, a huge, like a, we're calling it the mega barn. You can do events. So oh, you, okay. We can do large scale events there and rent it out for large scale events. And so it's meant for horses and animals and that side of the world and be able to plant wine and tomatoes and all those things. And the other side is meant for like an, you know, an adult business playground for like the military style training. Um, and we are going to actually live on property so that we can be part of it. So fun. And it's just something that content wise, it's great for everyone involved. Think of like fantasy factory for Rob Deerdick mixed with, you know, anyways, uh, we're building a place that has fun for everyone that we're going to all use for years and years and years. And we'll, so everyone that's listening, you're going to see a lot of events there, whether it's ours or our friends' events. 
And it's really meant for us to have a place that we can put a flag in the ground and have a lot of fun creating content. There'll be a lot of charity components there. There'll be a lot of, anyways, I'm really excited about it. Uh, finally finding the right place that fits fits well for what we enjoy and what my wife enjoys and what I believe that a lot of people will be able to have a lot of fun with. And that's where you'll live and raise your kids. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Well, Dan, thanks for the time. It's been fun. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.